This is WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now the time, 818, you're tuned to WGNS on this Tuesday morning. Today, January 2nd, and this morning we're talking about the Rutherford County Schools. And with us this morning, School Choice Coordinator Jeff McCann. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me. It's a, kind of a cold start to the year. That it is. Kind of happens that way in January, that I guess. Is, that's typical for <laughs> us. So first of all, what, what are choice schools in Rutherford County? Well, it started really a couple of years ago when the state passed a new law um, requiring any school that has open seats or, or, or space for students to offer those seats to really anyone residing in the district, whether or not you're in that school zone or not, it did not matter. So and we started that process uh, last year, I think. So we have several schools that do have some, some vacancies to offer, um, and, and those are just standard seats. We do have several special programs also available to students uh, in our county as well. Now, the Rutherford County Schools, the whole system, it's a very robust system that continues to grow. How fast are we currently growing? Faster than we can keep up with, uh, quite honestly. We could build a school every year and still not keep up. Um, with growth. I think we hit a record of a little over 51,000 or so students, right? Yep, we're over 51,000 now. You know, looking back, I I think 10 years ago even, I don't think people would imagine our system being that large. I don't think so either. We've been growing for 10 years, but it's been in the last several couple of years really that we have really exploded. And how many schools do we currently have in the Rutherford County District? 50 or so. 50 wow mm-hmm. and then I, I guess on top of that you have the virtual school as well we do have the virtual school and that's one of the open choice options for for parents to to pick from and then also we're seeing something new which would be those uh, charter schools and i think we have two of those coming that are i guess in the process of being built well we're slated to open three charter schools uh next year one of them is not under our control it's being um, um supervised by the state charter board um, but well we're projecting two um, two charter schools to open in the district that will be actually under our authorization power you know there there's so many different types of schools that people hear about today you have charter schools choice schools and uh, magnet schools and then you also have of course private schools which are pretty right. self-explanatory right. Um, but with all these different choices what I mean, is it tough for parents to decide, you know, well, I think my child really has a lot of knowledge in maybe math or, or science. They should go here or there. I, I mean, it's got to be tough at times. Well, the, the good thing is parents do have a myriad of choices to pick from now. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible, all the different choices that they have. Really, even just within our district, our, our county schools have so many great options for parents to pick from. And when you look at the different choice schools and you look at the different schools that do have openings for students, how many do have openings and how many don't? Well, it varies. Uh, Some schools have openings just in a few select grade levels. Uh, Some have them or very few have them across the board. Um, But honestly, in most of our schools, there are not a whole lot of openings just because of our, our, our current state of overcrowding. So if somebody lives, let's say, in the Rockville area, but they just moved to that area from, I don't know, maybe Eagleville, so they would like their children to go to Eagleville, how, how do they go about saying to the schools, you know, hey, this is where I would like my son or daughter to go? Well, there's an application process you have to go through. 
Um, and you can access that from our, our choice, choice schools guide on the district website. There's an application right there that you click on and you can apply. And basically for a school like um, Eagleville that's an open seat, an open choice school, um, everybody who applies will be entered into basically a lottery and it will be random select. Um, as long as there are more applicants than seats available, we'll have to run those lotteries. Some schools have some seats and they don't get enough applicants, so most all of those would get in. And when you say open seats, let's say, for example, at Eagleville, is that at every level, you know, from elementary to high school in Eagleville? I can tell you specifically, Eagleville at the elementary level only has five seats right now in fourth grade available that's all they have open for elementary but if we move up to to middle school and take a look they've actually got 12 seats open for sixth graders three for seventh and three for eighth grade and then once that child starts there let's say uh let's say middle school um do they continue to go there through high school they they don't have to fill out a new application yes that's how zone exemptions typically work um is once you're granted that, you keep a zone exemption until you leave that particular building. And Eagleville is considered one building elementary, middle, and high school. So let's say you get a zone exemption in fourth grade to go to Eagleville. You can keep that zone exemption all the way through 12th grade. And are there openings at the high school level in Eagleville as well? Uh, Eagleville has, yes, nine openings in ninth grade, five openings in 10th grade, and actually 30 openings in 12th grade. But not a lot of students uh, typically transfer in their senior year. Now, throughout the school district, you have 12 elementary schools that currently have open seats. Then you have uh, six middle schools and five total high schools, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So out of that, is it, I mean, do you often hear from parents who say, I do want my child to go to this school instead of the school we're zoned for? Uh, Actually, yes, we do. Right now, we've got over 2,200 applications for these vacant seats. Now, a lot of those are to the magnet programs because they're so popular and they have so many openings at each entry level. Um, that, that, that's the bulk of the, of the applications, but we do still have several for just the open seat schools. Is it hard managing, you know, the, the students and where they go at times? Because, you know, we went from I don't know, a, a, roughly a, a middle-sized school district to all of a sudden this large school district of 50-plus schools. It is a challenge, and rezoning has to take place so often um, in, in our district that that is really even the, the biggest challenge that we have, I think, is trying to find a way to adequately um, make use of the open seats that we do have without um, – causing some students to have to move multiple times throughout their school career. That's quite a challenge. And rezoning is something the school board and also the school director took a real hard look at recently. They really did. They actually brought in an outside company to take a look at our our um, capacities and, and help come up with the most feasible way to rezone our schools. And one of the big things is a brand new school that's going to be built, and that new school is in the Blackman area, and that's the uh, Old Beatty Farm property. That's correct. That's correct. When is that slated to open, and how is that going to impact what you do on 25, a 26 probably is when that will open, if, if, if they get started on time with that. Um, and actually, I, I would anticipate that might open up some more open seats at other schools that currently don't have any right now. And that Beatty Farm area, for anybody who is, uh, you know, maybe new to the area, that's, if you go down 840, and I forgot what exit it is, is it the Amaville exit or around that exit? I think so. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be where the new school is going to be built. And that new school, is it going to be elementary and middle? I believe it's going to be an elementary to start with. 
And so that opens up obviously even more choices depending on where people live. Uh, But in Rutherford County, it takes at least 30 minutes to get from one side of the county to the other, if not longer, depending on what time of day you're driving. That is true. It's a big county and a lot of traffic out there. And that has to be something that factors into decision-making when it comes to a parent deciding, well, I want my child to go here instead of where we're zoned. I think that plays a huge part in it, yes. With all these different schools, 50-plus schools, you know, I say plus because of the virtual school, is it, I don't know, is it uh, difficult to figure out bus routes and and how to arrange the bus routes and the timing? Well, kudos to the transportation department there because, yes, that that can be a nightmare at times. I would imagine a, a pretty big undertaking. It is. With the virtual school, that's been in play now for a couple of years, a little before COVID, I believe. Mm -hmm. But with that virtual school, how many students does that allow for? I think they really don't have a a full cap on that right now. Um, Because it's virtual, they can typically expand um, pretty much as, as they need to. And under that budget, budget providing the positions to cover that. Because you, you have real teachers, I guess. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and are these real teachers here locally? How, how do they, they go? Are. They are. They it's are. It's all local. local. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, with all these different schools and your job of, I guess, overseeing the choice schools, is it is it hard at times to to do what you do? And, and what, what exactly do you do each day? It, it It's a challenge. It's been a major learning curve for me. I spent over 20 years as a principal, and I just assumed this role two months ago. Um, so uh, not only is figuring out the whole um, choice seat um, scenario been a challenge, but also the uh, charter schools are a different world. They're, they're a new world for us in our district uh, and for me, too. So that's been quite the learning curve. So I spend a lot of my time um, uh, training, um, uh, doing webinars and, and learning how to, you know, what goes into making and authorizing a charter school. So your background going from principal into this you know, management role, and it's a different kind of management altogether. Uh, much. That had to be a big learning curve. I, I yes. Mean, I, I can imagine. It was a major change. But at the same time, you understand the parents and their decision-making when it comes to deciding my child would be better here versus right. at whatever school. Well, I came from a Thurman Francis Arts Academy, which is one of our magnet schools. So I, I'm used to the whole choice factor um, in, in how parents decide where they want their children to go. Now, with the magnet schools, do children have to pass a test in order to get into those? It can vary. Um, base, in, in the two elementary levels, the Thurman Francis and uh, McFadden School of Excellence, they do have to come in for a screener. That's a little screening test. Um, but at, um, at schools like Central Middle and for the middle high middle school portion of Thurman Francis and Central High School. It's basically based on uh, report cards from uh, from the past and test scores. Again with us this morning, Jeff McCann with the Rutherford County Schools overseeing the Choice School program, uh, and you are the, the coordinator of all of that. Now, how many years do you have in education altogether? This is my 37th year, I believe. All here in Rutherford County, or have you No, I spent the first six years of my career up in Robertson County in Springfield. Which is quite a bit smaller than Rutherford County. Yes, very County. much. Very much. So what, what have you seen that has surprised you the most over those years in education, maybe just in general and specifically here in Rutherford County as well? Well, clearly, like we talked about, the growth um, is, is, is really kind of mind-boggling to see how, how large we have gotten in such a short amount of time. Are we 
at the same size of places like Knox County, where Knoxville is? Almost. I think we surpassed Hamilton County recently um, to, to move up to about number three on the list. Size-wise, we're not quite there with, with, with Knox County, but we're getting there. And I guess if you factored in the Murfreesboro City Schools, we would be neck and neck. We would be. When it comes to these new charter schools, what what is it that parents need to understand? Because I, I think it's such a new world of charter schools that parents don't really know what they right. are. They don't. Charter schools, what you need to understand, number one, they are public schools. And they have the same accountability, sometimes even higher accountability than some of our public schools. They have to give the same state assessments. They have to teach the same state standards. They just get a lot more freedom in how they do that. And they get a lot more flexibility, a lot of autonomy in how they staff their schools, who they hire, how they hire people, um, how they arrange their day, the number of minutes they spend instructionally, and the programs that they can offer. They just get a lot more autonomy. But they are um, publicly funded. They're a public school. Um, and uh, accountable, held accountable, just like our regular public schools are. Now, in order for these charter schools to actually come into Rutherford County and, and build, did they have to first seek approval from the Rutherford County School Board? Absolutely, and, and, and the application process is pretty rigorous. It's very involved. You have to put together a committee to review their application, and typically those applications are, are you know, 250 pages long. So there's, there, there's quite a bit to have to review and approve, um, and, and we have pretty high standards in our district as to what we will consider approvable or not. It, I, you know, it is such a new world. It is confusing. Do they still, I guess, uh, go to the Rutherford County School Board for anything coming up? Do they have to get other stuff approved, or was it just that initial, you know, hey, we want to build here, we want to open, this is what we want to do? It's just that initial approval on their part. Uh, then it becomes sort of my job to monitor their progress and make sure they are living up to those standards um, in the agreement um, uh, signed by both the charter school and the school board. So how do you monitor that? It's 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 a series of on-site visits. Um, um, they have to provide data, a lot of data, on a regular basis as to how they're functioning, how they're performing. Basically, I just have to monitor the operation day-to-day of those schools. And once they open, because it is brand new to Rutherford County, are you going to be making drop-ins on a regular basis? I will be doing that. Uh, how often? It's, it remains to be seen. This is a new process, again, for all of us. But um, the requirement is at least once per year, but it'll be more than that. Have you had any, or do you have any knowledge on if people are already applying? Absolutely. Um, uh, the, the, the Springs Empower um, Charter School um, chose to use our same application platform as our open choice schools, which I monitor for everyone. And yes, they've had several applications. Now, the other one, uh, American Classical, has n- did not elect to go with our same platform. They're using their own enrollment platform and you have to go to their website to find that but uh um and so i'm not aware of what their numbers are looking like right now now when you say american classical these these groups i guess that came in and started this they already had some type of foundation before they got here they did and that's that's part of what i guess they presented originally to the county school board that's correct that is gonna i would guess take away some money from rutherford county schools when it comes to grants and, and government funding Yes, yeah, so the, the, the funding designated per student um, will go with those students. Both state and local monies will go with those students to the charter school, if that's where they elect to go. So it won't necessarily hurt the county schools, I wouldn't guess, if it, 
you know, is, is the money for each student is going with that student. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense there. Right. I mean, the, but that money will come out of our budget. So we'll, we'll lose those funds, which could result in, in the loss of teaching positions, maybe just depending on what the numbers um, look like. I never even thought about that. Do you know how many students actually can be at these charter schools? It depends on how many applications they get. Uh, the the East Springs is, is supposed to be just a K-5. Uh, American Classical is going K-8. Um, but they may not be able to start with all of those grades, depending on the number of applications they get. So that will play a factor. So in reality, you're looking at several million dollars that's going to go away from the county schools and to these new charter schools. Quite possibly, yes. And going back to those choice schools here in Rutherford County, when it boils down to the very basics of it all, you've got a number of schools that are open, that have open seats for students. And those schools that do have openings kind of give us the numbers once more for elementary, high, high school, and uh, middle school as well. Okay, sure. We'll start with our elementary schools, those open seat schools. Um, Blackman has uh, 23 seats open, mainly in first, second, and fourth grade. Uh, Browns Chapel has 10 seats between first and fourth grade. Um, Christiana Elementary has 15, five each in first, fourth, and fifth. David Urey has 19 seats, seven in first, seven in second, and five in fifth. Eagleville, like we said, has five seats available in fourth grade. Now, Campus School, which is a, um, um, is is sort of a unique, it's not quite a magnet school, but it's run similar to a magnet school. It's what's called a laboratory school that works in close um, connection with MTSU. Um, and every student there has to apply to become, and it's really a lottery system to get in there. Um, and they start out with opening 36 seats in kindergarten. Um, and then they don't have anything else until fourth and fifth grade, which six in fourth grade, two in fifth grade that they have open. So parents do have a lot of choices. They do. And with those choices, you're going to have to decide if additional teachers are needed at one school versus another. Well, now these numbers are based on their current levels of staffing. That's how we determine how many openings they have. So really, I guess what would determine additional teachers would be if, let's say, a new neighborhood opened next to one of these schools and that neighborhood zone for whatever school it may be. Which is happening all the time, yes. It is. And it seems like every time a new school is built you get new neighborhoods right next to it. That's correct. And Rockville is one of those areas that has grown tremendously over the last few years. And, of course, Blackman's been growing. That hasn't stopped. And continues to do so. Stewart's Creek is another area, too, that's that, that's growing uh, rapidly. Now, with Stewart's Creek, that entire area, they uh, the county schools had to do something unique, and they literally had to, to cut off the time frame of when – even if you move to that area, of when that student, that new student, could enroll there. They did. I think it was September 29th, Stewart's Creek uh, Elementary capped their enrollment. So any new student that moved in was automatically zoned for Stewartsboro Elementary. And I think that was the first time the county schools had to cut off, I mean, provide, I guess, such a hard limit or cutoff so. date. Yeah, I think so. That, that was unique. Mm-hmm, very but much. other school districts have had to do that, I'm sure, across the state. Yeah. Uh, and this probably won't be the first time that that happens here. Would not be surprised. Now, in addition to the new school that's going to be on the Beatty property, are there any other new schools that are being planned right now? They are looking at several. I'm not sure yet exactly where they are in those planning stages, but um, they're looking at properties in several areas. Um, I'm talking about maybe a new high school um, in the Walter Hill area, um, new middle school, 
Now, that direction of Walter Hill and also Las Casas, we haven't really seen as much growth there as we have in the south area and uh, north area of Rutherford County. That's correct. Doesn't seem to be. So that, uh, obviously, a new school there would uh, would be a good thing and probably be right along the alignment of the growth in that right. direction. Again with us this morning, we have Jeff McCann of the Choice Schools, and uh, he oversees the Choice School program. He's the coordinator here in Rutherford County. And uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll update you on the application process of attending a Choice School and also the deadline of when you need to file that application. Time right now, 8.38. You're tuned to WGNS again on this Tuesday morning, today, the 2nd of January. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. WGNS is powered by Middle Tennessee Electric. MTE's Drive EV program has resources for members who would like to learn more about all aspects of EVs. MTE is developing programs and educational materials to answer member questions. Learn more at DriveEV.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans and now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come shop with my family at 919 Northwest Broad Street here in Murfreesboro. 94% of pet owners say their pet makes them smile daily. Return the favor and come find the things that make your pet smile here at Animal City. If you like pictures of adorable pets like we do, we invite you to check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Animal City. Please come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. CBS News Brief. A Japan Airlines aircraft collided with a Coast Guard plane on the runway of Tokyo's Haneda Airport. Five people on board the Coast Guard plane were killed. BBC reporter Sue and Jana Tawari. As it was landing, it seemed to collide with something and create a big explosion. Then it continued down the runway and it was still on fire before coming to a stop. Meanwhile, a powerful earthquake struck Japan yesterday. We didn't feel like the, the normal... You got an earthquake for, you know, tremors for a couple of minutes. This felt more significant than that. And it felt a lot more dangerous. Dozens are confirmed dead. The FBI is investigating a deadly car crash in Rochester, New York, as possible terrorism. The vehicle crashed into a crowd outside a theater. Police Chief David Smith. Two people were killed and two more are fighting for their life as a result of a motor vehicle collision. Explosives were found inside the car. CBS News Brief. I'm Stacy Lynn. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
Right now that time, 8.42, you're tuned to WGNS. We're talking about the Choice Schools here in Rutherford County. And with us this morning, Choice School Coordinator Jeff McCann. And this is, again, we're talking about the Rutherford County Schools. If a parent would like to uh, apply their child to attend one of these Choice Schools or to go to a, a different school altogether in another zone, what do they need to do? Well, I'd encourage parents first to go to our district website and it's and click on the, the, the choice school guide, the school choice guide 2425. And there they can read about all their different options that they have and the different choices that they have to pick from. It'll even show you exactly which schools have seats in which grades. But you have basically until January 31st initially to apply for one of these open seats. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an online application that you can access directly from that guide. So January 31st, that is the cutoff date. Do you have a lot of parents who do apply their children uh, right around this time frame, the start of the new year? They do. They do. I, I guess this is a, one of those breaks where people do move to Rutherford County. Right. Uh, I would say the start of the school year and then the middle of the school year would be the two key times. That's correct. That's correct. Is it hard, though, for a child to change schools in the middle of uh, a school year? It is, and that doesn't happen very often. Uh, matter of fact, the zone exemption process usually is cut off after this is done, and they don't grant anymore unless somebody, unless they're like an employee's child and they've moved and they've accepted a position at a new school. Um, sometimes it can happen there. And there's emergency situations, too, that, that zone exemptions can be granted for as well. Now, there are some schools that are currently under construction because they're adding on, like Riverdale High School, one that we mentioned uh, off the air. But that is one that's currently full but is about to have a lot of new classroom space. So do you expect that to have Riverdale to have open seats soon? Not for next year, maybe, maybe after that, but not for next year. Now, Smyrna, that's another area where I believe they're adding on. Uh, right. Was Oakland High School one as well? Uh, yes, they they were so with these additions approximately how many students will be able to or will they be able to increase enrollment to how many students at these I schools don't know those numbers yet honestly so that'll be uh, another i guess piece of the puzzle right. there sure will <laughs> you've got a lot on your plate when mm -hmm. it comes to these schools quite a bit and once again the schools that are choice schools they're not necessarily only magnet type schools right that's correct it's Some of them just have vacant seats, and the, the new state law that was passed two years ago um, allows us to offer those to anybody in the district. Now, if I'm not mistaken, it seems like that was already offered in a lot of ways because you could get a zone exemption. That is true, but the re I think they were, the reasons were a little more restrictive for why they would be granted back then than now. So now it is slightly different and uh, opens it up, I guess, to make it not, not necessarily easier, but it opens it up to, to more students. That's correct. That's correct. And what is one of the main reasons that parents do fill out, fill out an application to have their child go to another school as opposed to one they're zoned for? There's a lot of reasons. Uh, some of it could be proximity to where they work. Um, maybe they have they know people in, in, in another school setting that they prefer to be around. Uh, maybe they have special programs offered at those different schools that they are interested in. What do you expect to see in the years to come with the county school system as far as student numbers? Are, are we continuing to see all the growth happen? It's projected we're, we're, to con we're to continue on this same pace. So if we do continue on the same pace and uh, more charter schools, for example, decide they want to open as well, how difficult is that going to make it for the county school system? It could be tough. We've already received two letters of intent um, from two additional charters that plan to apply this year. 
with these charter programs, is it a, a group of citizens who are calling for this and putting this together, or is it outside educational institutes who are coming here saying, you know, we want to open here? Most of these are charters that have existing locations elsewhere, some not in this state, some in this state, and they're just looking to expand to Rutherford County. And why, why would they want this? I mean, is there some type of incentive they get financially? No, they just. I think they see the opportunity to serve more kids and to open a school um, in a different in a different district. Traditionally, um, you know, charters uh, got their start in working in really in large urban areas um, in in cities where there was a, a you know quite a a bit of underserved population um, and, and didn't really expand into more rural settings like ours just until recently. Are these charter schools all college preparatory type high schools? Not necessarily, no. Mm-mm. As a matter of fact, a couple of them that are, that are scheduled to open next year are just elementary and middle. Do we have any trade-type programs anymore in the county? We do offer quite a few what are, what are called um, uh, CTE programs um, at various schools in the, in the district that do offer a lot of career and technical education-type focused um, opportunities for kids. But yeah. as far as the old days of the old vocational schools like like we had maybe when i was in school um you don't see that very much anymore i mean you used to have i think shop class was one of those yeah woodworking you're right but but not anymore no so the focus today would be mainly on preparing for college and a a tech not technical school necessarily but a a tech related field that's what they're kind of preparing students for there's a lot of that Mm -hmm. i mean even in nursing for example right high-tech computer i mean you've got computers are involved in everything very much so that is really i guess one of the main focuses and uh things like ai those are things that are being talked about in classes Uh, absolutely so with all of these changes over the years what has the county school system been able to do with what used to be these shop type classes like automotive and and whatever construction industry was out there that they taught well i think i think what you found is as as enrollment increased so much and we needed the classroom space a lot of those facilities got converted into classroom settings any new schools being planned that are going to be magnet environments not at the moment so right now the only main magnet schools that we have would be central and then what else uh, McFadden School of Excellence and Thurman Francis Arts Academy. So those three. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the idea of converting any of the existing schools to become magnet schools? Is that something that's been talked about? There was talk of uh, creating a magnet high school on the north end of the county to kind of coincide with Thurman Francis. It's really the only magnet on that end of the county. Um, but but that never really came to fruition. But that's really only just been talk. And what has to be done in order to convert a school to receive that magnet title well you'd have to have the facilities um, and then you would have to create a, a focus for that particular school um, and, and and really again it's it, at this point it's all about classroom space it's all about seats and again with us this morning Jeff McCann with the Rutherford County Schools over the years because you have a background in actually you know the, the teaching side of it mm-hmm. the, the principal side of it have you seen a big change in the student and just that generalization of what a student is like today versus 10, 15, 20 years ago. Well, they're a lot more tech savvy. I will say that. They all have cell phones. That's definitely been a big change. But other than that, no, kids, kids are kids. 
I know one of the things that is being done in other districts is they will uh, literally ask the children not to touch their cell phone during school days. And I think some schools even have a, a special little lockbox for mm-hmm. cell phones. Well, we do have specific policies in our district where it, um, most of the time elementary students can't have them with them at all. Uh, middle school kids, they like them to have them kept in their locker. Um, and high school, typically they can carry them with them, but I think they have to have them turned off. Well, you know, phones today are are literally the life of a, a teenager. They are. Uh, but you also have things like calculators on them. So there are, I guess, things that they could use them for within the classroom. Yeah, during testing time, they typically have to take all of them up for that very reason. I would imagine mm-hmm. that it would be too tempting just to pull it out right. and find the answers. <laughs> right. Have you heard any talks about AI-related essays and papers where students use an AI program to write the paper for them? That has cropped up a few times, and even in my own experience in my last school, um, it has popped up a few times. Most of the time, that's easy to 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 find when you if you're familiar with that child's work, typically, um, and you see something that does not match what they're typically submitting then you know something's up so if you all of a sudden see big describing words that they don't usually (laughs) use there could be a problem there. right there could be now in those cases i don't know if you're familiar with how the county schools handle that or or how they plan to handle that in the future uh, but are there any talks of what will be done if if that's you know determined that a student did use an ai program to write a paper I think there's discussions going on on that right now, but no no formal policy really in place yet. Because it's kind of a, a, a tough subject uh, when you look at it, because I don't know that it would necessarily be plagiarism, but at the same right. time, uh, you know, what what is it? Because it's right. not the student actually writing it. That's correct. Uh, but then it'd be the student putting in the notes in order for AI to write whatever paper it is. Mm-hmm. True. It's a different world out it's, there. It's, it's going to take... It's going to take some some figuring out. And it's also a different world out there when it comes to social media, and that, too, plays a role in the classroom. Always. That's got to be tough to monitor mm-hmm. everything that is going on from it day is. to day. It is. Do uh, principals these days have a, a high-tech class they go through in order to, <laughs> to better learn what's going on? No, it's almost learn as you go. I bet it is. Like a, like a lot of things in the principal's world. <laughs> So what made you want to get out of the actual school and get into this coordinator position? Well, um, you know, my background in working with a choice school, I've been very passionate about um, choice settings for for students like that. Um, And and I think they need more choices even uh, than we have. So that's really kind of what drew me to this position. And with, let's go back to the magnet school here, that that can really help a student excel because their passion may be in, you know, whatever that magnet school specializes in. Absolutely. That and, and, and typically when, when you elect to go to a magnet school setting like that, you're, you're, you're in school with a lot of like-minded um, students, a lot of like-minded um, um, peers, so to speak, um, which, can, which can be very beneficial to some kids. Of course, you have some students who love school, some who like it, and some who don't want to be there. But if you have a parent moving a child to a different school, a different uh, maybe a cross-town school, or to a magnet school, and they apply for that, it, I think that does show a little bit on part of the student that they want to be there and they're interested in being there if they're asking to go to you know, XYZ school. Absolutely. It does create a lot of ownership and buy-in. That, that's got to be a good thing for the student. That's great, right. 
when it comes to homeschool students out there today, is that taking away from the actual numbers within the county school? Some, but not a tremendous amount. It seems like during the whole COVID pandemic period, we did hear about a number of students not necessarily becoming homeschool students, but they became virtual students, not with the county, though. That's correct. It used to be when we did not have a virtual uh, academy here in the district, they had to um, join a different virtual um, network operated in another district. And as a result, we would lose the funding for those students. That was one of the reasons why we created a, our own virtual academy here. Does the school system get the same amount of funding for those students who are being, you know, attending, if you would, virtual schools? They do. So they still get that despite not having that brick and mortar setting. That's correct. And at the same time, though, you do have some type of brick and mortar setting because you do have a principal over the school. You right. do have teachers. How often those do those teachers have to meet in person with each other? Well, they, they pretty much serve a full school day just like any other teacher would. I mean, they have a location where they go and they teach from. And then throughout the day, they're answering questions just like any teacher in any Absolutely. classroom. Just like any other teacher. That, that does throw a twist to things, though, and it is different, I'm sure, uh, for a lot of parents out there and probably can get a little daunting. It can be, but I, I do think a virtual setting works well for some kids and some families. And those parents obviously know that this would work for their child or may not work. Right. And right. I'm sure that goes in the whole decision making on, you know, if this child should attend a virtual school or not. Absolutely. Are there, I know you said there's not a, an exact number of students who can attend virtual schools, but are there current openings where that can be a school that a child transfers to? Yes, they're one of our open choice schools, and they serve grades 3 through 12, basically. We don't start virtual settings until third grade. And so they could fill out an application for a Absolutely. virtual school? Absolutely. It's one of the options for parents to, to pick from on the, on the application itself. Is that harder to kind of jump into in the middle of the school year, you know, virtual versus a, a brick-and-mortar setting? Well, virtual. The virtual academy is one school that will accept zone exemptions really year-round. Uh, oftentimes we get students that feel like they need to make a change to that type of setting um, mid-year. And so we do make those available all year long. How hard is it for a student coming from a totally different district, maybe from a different state? How hard is it for them to kind of play catch up in Rutherford County? Or, or are they already at the same place that county students are in? Well, that's that's the problem you you run into really anywhere Um, um and really, that was the, the impetus for the governors creating uh, Common Core State Standards years ago, if you remember that. That was to get everybody on the same page curriculum-wise so the gaps weren't quite as big for students that moved. Um, but because that really has kind of gone by the wayside, you know, for political reasons, um, there, are, there are still gaps, you know, and, and you just never know. It's hard to anticipate what those gaps are going to be. Depending on where students come from, there could be a pretty significant gap. So being in this new position for about two months now with the county schools, did you expect to see as much politics as you probably do see within the county schools? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I knew politics played a huge part. Um, it really, in today's world, it does. It plays such a significant part. I guess I didn't realize how much it was um, um, embedded in the school system and its, and its operations, but um, I was not surprised. And I don't mean necessarily politics at the local school board right. level, but the state making level. Right. Absolutely. You, 
you see changes every year when it comes to education and the Department of Education. Right, the, the State Department of Ed and the, the Tennessee State Legislature um, really have a huge impact on, on, what, on the day-to-day operations of schools in general. And while you've not been in your position long enough to see this, but if the, the governor party changes, I'm sure that can literally flip education upside down. It could. Sure could. So it could change overnight. It could. <laughs> uh, again, closing out this part of the program this morning, uh, Jeff McCann with us today with the Rutherford County Schools, the Choice School Coordinator. If anybody has any questions about applying to attend a different school, what should that parent do? Yeah, your first step would be to shoot me an email. Um, at And my email address is choice at rcschools.net. If you've got any questions about the choice schools, the application process, shoot me an email, or you can call me. A lot of times it's easier for me just to talk you through the process um, over the phone. You can just call the district office and ask for the choice school coordinator, and they'll put you right through to me. Uh, the application itself can be somewhat challenging and daunting, um, and it, it's okay if you need some help getting through that. Give me a call or, or, or send me an email. Now, are you back in the office now? Or I am. Okay. And yes. students, they'll be back when? Monday. So Monday is the first day of class after Christmas break. Sounds good. Again, Jeff McCann with us this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Scott. Right now that time, 8.59. We're up against the 9 o'clock hour, and you're tuned to WGNS Murfreesboro once more on this Tuesday morning, today, January the 2nd. We have local news next, followed by news from CBS, taking a look around the country and around the world.